Hey fam, if we're honest, reading the Bible consistently can be a challenge, but it's never too late to start, and we're in this together. Thanks for journeying with us, and here's your host, Emma Dodder. Thanks for joining. We're about to start reading 2 Corinthians, but it's important we understand the context of the book. Coming out of 1 Corinthians, there are lots of mistakes we can make. First, let's talk about the city of Corinth. The city was geographically Greek, but culturally, it was pretty Roman. And during Paul's day, one-third of the population consisted of slaves, as the city was actually a main depot for the slave trade. Additionally, the city was pretty aristocratic or posh. One commentator pointed out that the city's position in relation to the sea made it comparable to an advantageously located island. Many buildings were built, and some would say it was one of the most splendid and modern of the Greek cities. But to give you a better sense of the culture in Corinth, here's what came to mind as I read about it. When I was growing up in school, we had to read this book called The Lightning Thief, maybe in the sixth grade. And the whole premise of that book was playing off of Greek mythology existing in a modern-day setting. And the main character, Percy, his dad, in this fictional book was Poseidon, the Greek sea god. And if I had to guess, a lot of our younger audience is super familiar with this series of books. And well, in Corinth, the city in which the Corinthian church was located, a major festival was held to honor the Greek sea god with a little g, Poseidon. Every spring, people would travel from all over to attend a festival centered around this pagan god. That was the cultural climate within the Corinthian church. But even so, one of the mistakes we make when studying 2 Corinthians is to file the city of Corinth in a mental place that's too outdated. We know this was written a long time ago and that people aren't worshiping the Greek gods today, but the things that marked that city aren't too much different than the things that mark our cities today. Apart from the worship of pagan Greek gods, the people there were materialistic and obsessed with being honored or esteemed. One commentator said this, for some in Corinth, the church may have been attractive as another forum to compete for status according to the norms of society, to compete for status. It may have offered more promise of success in winning influence and honor in the small gatherings of Christians. The Corinthian correspondence, or letter, reveals that Paul had to deal with the church overcome by vanity and torn apart by a presumptuous desire for honor and distinction. Christians today, we can do the same thing. I mean, growing up in the church, I remember girls comparing their Bibles. Who had the prettiest one? Forget the contents. We just cared about the covers. In college, students in Christian organizations were easily tempted to place their identity in their ability to get or their failure to receive a leadership position. The Corinthian church had allowed the culture of the day to infiltrate their Christian community. Paul kept having to call them back toward a wholehearted commitment to Christ. And Paul wrote a lot of letters to the Corinthians doing just that. Now, as a reminder, there was what Paul referred to as the previous letter in 1 Corinthians 5, verses 9 through 13. Then there was 1 Corinthians, which we just read and is technically his second letter to them, even though we know it as 1 Corinthians. And in 1 Corinthians, if you didn't read along with us and are just now jumping in to catch you up, Paul corrected the Corinthians for their poor behavior, misconduct, and idolatry. Then— in between what we know as 1st and 2nd Corinthians, there might have been another letter referred to as the Sorrowful Letter. However, some scholars believe the Sorrowful Letter referenced in 2nd Corinthians is actually just 1st Corinthians. Nevertheless, we know that there's at least three letters, and we've got to ask, 
how have the Corinthians been responding to Paul's words? And one commentator says this, The guilty parties did not accept his discipline passively. His bold rebukes caused them to lose face and sparked deep resentment. They counterattacked by questioning his motives, methods, and really him as a person to undermine his authority in the church. And the result? Some members of the church continued as avid supporters of Paul, some wavered, and some embraced a determined element of resistance to his leadership. So while the theme of 1 Corinthians was correction, the theme of 2 Corinthians is defense. Why was Paul a trustworthy messenger of the gospel? Why was it important the Corinthians listened to Paul instead of the misleading voices of their day? Paul understood the influence believers in such a popular city could have on the world, and he wanted them to be rooted and established in truth. In chapters 1 through 7, Paul addresses his critics. What were people saying about him and what was true, or what was actually true? In chapters 8 through 9, Paul speaks of a collection. Why were believers giving up their money and for what purpose? And lastly, in chapters 10 through 13, Paul speaks the Corinthians' language. He overviews his credentials as he reminds them of why he is a trustworthy voice of truth. It's interesting. Second Corinthians, it's kind of like Paul's biography. We learn a lot more about the Apostle Paul in this book. And as a reminder, an apostle was someone who meets three requirements. First, they have to have seen Jesus in resurrected form. Second, they would have been uniquely chosen by the Holy Spirit. And lastly, they would have had the ability to perform signs and wonders. Apostles were the first messengers of the gospel and led the charge in establishing the early church. Second Corinthians is sort of the Apostle Paul's biography, but because he was writing to a group of believers who were living in a city that was culturally very similar to ours today, there's a lot of practical application. Things like stewardship and generosity, the comfort of God when life gets tough, and the importance of humility. You see, Despite all of Paul's credentials and experiences, despite his resume, Paul understood that all of the ministry he was doing was ultimately Christ in and through him. The same is true for us today. Whenever we see anything commendable in another believer, it's important we remember that it's always Christ in and through us. Hey, familia. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. But did you know Join the Journey isn't just a podcast? It's also a Bible reading plan with daily devos and more. Check it out by visiting jointhejourney.com. 